Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 142 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I are going to read books we haven't read, or at least one of us hasn't read for the first time, and share our thoughts and notes with each other on the chapters we've reviewed. In this episode, we'll be going through Hannibal by Thomas Harris, chapters 36 through 50. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, that, okay. was, that was the episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, no, I. do we have any housekeeping? I don't think so. I feel like I have a tingle of there was something I considered housekeeping, but it's not here, so I didn't write it down. Was it about the book? It would have been about something we did in the show, but I don't have it, so moving on. Well, without any housekeeping, we can just start a show. Yeah, let's do it. Do you need to close like your an blinds? Allergic reaction to something. Ah, okay, what? Hmm? He doesn't suspect the arsenic I've put in his ice maker. No, I suspect the arsenic, Doug. I'm not allergic to arsenic. <laughs> but are you allergic to old lace? Shit. <laughs> There's fucking doilies everywhere. Doilies of death. <laughs> It'll be an anti-massacre massacre. Okay. Okay. No, Back come to... on. That was, that was fantastic because doilies are also called anti-massacres. That, that was really good. Come on. I don't... <sighs> it's fine. Ladies and gentlemen, please clap. Um... <laughs> That's all I, I needed. Okay. Uh... <laughs> title of the show, Anti-Massacre Massacre. We'll see. That's um, the fucking title of the show. Okay, to get started for for finally. Um, for finally sake. Let's just get into chapter 36, where Carlo calls Mason to report on the massacre, not the anti-massacre, just the massacre, that left his brother and Inspector Posse dead, and Dr. Fell free. Mason. Uh, no, 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 no. What? That's chapter 37. We read through 36 last time. Because 36 is him dying? Yeah, we sure. So or it's I need to... Clarice getting woken up. We we did. 36 was part of the last show. So the you're, the, the, the topic you're talking oh, about you're is correct. Oh, you're correct. I, so my so numbers are the, just the title all number. off. Okay, so my numbers. Oh, there we go. That's that's interesting. Did you read fifty one? Because no, uh, I okay. just had them written in my notes one number off, and then at one point corrected them and didn't go back to fix the rest of them. So we will begin promptly with chapter thirty seven. Summary of which entails. Carlo calling Mason to report on the massacre that left his brother and Inspector Pozzi dead, and Dr. Fell free. Mason makes arrangements to move his pigs, and Carlo oversees. Do you have any notes? Um, I have a note. Um, I thought the bit where Carlo accidentally called his dead brother's phone... Which, which his dead brother was holding in his dead hand, uh, was touching, in a way, for such an awful person. And it, it shows you that, you know, like deep down, we're all just people, man. We're all just people with phones. <laughs> yeah, man. 
People or phones. Every person bone with born with a phone. Bone with a phone. Bone with the phone. That sounds like a Tom Waits song. Um, it was bone with a phone. Yeah, it was. It was a uh, a little touching. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more notes in that chapter? No, I have I, I don't have a lot of notes in this. This time. well. Get ready for me to not also have a lot of notes. But in this Excellent. chapter, oh. uh, I do have a note that is, I hadn't made the connection yet until it was kind of spelled out in this chapter, that Harris wants the audience to see Mason as an eel. Interesting. I don't know if I even remember that. Tell me more. He Well, he's like this sort of if you if you just if you didn't see an eel's teeth or didn't know that they were fucking vicious yeah. you think wow what a weird slimy limbless creature that just sort of sits around in a cage like trapped. no you're no no this is this is absolutely correct i just it's the first time i've ever thought of it oh i wasn't okay yeah because he keeps coming out of the darkness into yeah. the light like an eel poking out of a hole yeah. Um I'm flashing back to Gary Oldman's makeup in the movie. He looks very eel-like now that you've said that because it's a lot more, you know, graphic makeup than it was in um the TV show. Yeah. Uh, uh but but yeah, like he's trapped in a he's trapped in his own tank in a way. He yeah. can only see the outside world through glass. Um he's uh he can't close his eyes when he sleeps, you know. I guess I guess eels also don't have lids. Right. Um and, uh, you know, if you underestimate him, he might bite you. Yeah. Jesus, that's really good. You said it was spelled out in this chapter? Well, yeah. How was it? Um, this is 37. So let me go back to 37. Ah, here we go. For Mason Verger, night and day are much the same. He happened to be sleeping. Even the aquarium lights were off. Mason's head was turned on the pillow. His single eye ever open like the eyes of the great eel which was sleeping too. The only sounds were the regular hiss and sigh of the respirator, the soft bubbling of the aerator in the aquarium. Huh. No, you're right. That's that's a really great observation. For Mason Verger was an eel man, slick and vicious, with no morality, but a taste morality. for flesh. I mean, yes. it's funny. I I completely missed that part of it. He's I, I like. I, maybe it was cut out of my version. I, Thomas Harris, want you to know that Mason is an eel man. Oh, you know that does sound familiar now that you've read it. Oh, that famous quote from Hannibal. <laughs> yes, yes. The, okay, you know it makes sense now. I wasn't. I didn't understand what he was saying before. It's just so vague. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, I guess, to, to be fair, uh, it felt like it was, it felt, it struck me as like, oh, okay, that seems pretty direct, but it's also, to be fair to you, it's not really, um. No, I, it, I, I, I don't think he makes any more comments about it other than that moment is my point. Like, I don't, I think that little chapter, or that little paragraph, I don't think there's mm-hmm. more where he kind of makes those comparisons again but when when he, but but that was enough for me to go uh eel which is weird cuz he's so otherwise associated with pigs right but yeah uh 
There it is. Okay. Um, okay, so chapter 38. Briefly, Lecter visits a church to collect a cache of cash, passports, and other items an absconding criminal should require. I looked up the devil armor mm-hmm. uh, that he mentioned. Rad? What? Does it look rad? No. Oh. No, it doesn't. It looks like a regular suit of armor with these two metal horns on top that are actually more like Arthur's horns, moth horns from the tick. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you're like, oh, because I was imagining that awesome badass uh red devil armor from uh Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. And that that was like I'm like, oh you, you haven't seen it? Oh. It's it's got it's 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 bright red. It's got lines carved into it, so it kind of looks like musculature. Mm. You know, like like when you see a denuded person. Ew. Um, but and it just yeah, it's just this badass, breathtaking armor. But this was just like goofy antenna, and I'm like, okay. See, I was imagining like, and I know this is completely off, but in my head it was uh he, the, it looked like, like red samurai armor. Mm-hmm. That was they had those like sure big horns coming up from the top of the, I don't know what they're. I I, I know what you mean, and it definitely did have big horns, but not in a cool samurai way, and it was not red. It was completely just like a regular old King Arthur suit of armor. Lame. Le- well, I mean, lame. No, it's lame. It's lame. But I'm all, well. Hold on, I wasn't done. Ancient Europeans should have been more Japanese. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I wasn't done. If you don't I was going say to, what I was going Europeans to say before be you Japanese, interrupted me, it will not what I was going to say was that ancient Europeans should have been more Japanese. Thank you. Uh, but they were dumb and needed to be seen whenever they went to like you know joust or whatever. They wanted to be seen from far away that they had the big horns because otherwise, you know, I'd want little Batman devil horns. But uh, but they got to play to the back of the crowd. Oh, the back of the crowd. They're so needy. They are. Back. Hey, people in the back room, you're there for a reason. You're poor. Deal with it. Don't show up to the show. We let you come to the fucking tournament. What yeah. Do you, what do you want? That, that The back row should be reserved for vagrants and the homeless. Go spit out some more rotten teeth and eat your swill. People, people who they usher in from the street so that they can be warm for an hour or two. That's that's the class of people. Enjoy your communal body heat. You're welcome. Yeah. Here here's some culture to tide you over. Yeah. Culture. Here's some here's some, here's some five day old mutton. Yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah, Piece of human filth. <laughs> you have uh, any notes? Classism. Um <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't. The only note I have is that I liked writing Cash of Cash. That's it. All right. Chapter 39. Fingerprints from Pazzi's murder scene are taken and distributed to the four corners of the world, where in the U.S. they ping a match to Hannibal Lecter. Mason, Krenler, Crawford, and Starling are all informed that Hannibal has killed again. No notes. So this chapter got me thinking about personal prejudices and... <gasps> National or nationalistic prejudices. Prejudices you yourself? Possibly. Possibly. Because it sure paints 
the Italian legal system in an incompetent light. Okay. And other parts of the book have also suggested this, that whole uh, we're going to make the scene of the crime fit the person we want to you know, paint as the murderer because it's easier that way than we have somebody in jail. And that's more important than the truth. Um, and my father-in-law has has said something similar that in Ita- in Italy you are guilty until proven innocent. Oh, interesting. Um, and 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 I'm just like, is that my take on it, or is the ideal of American justice better? I'm not saying hmm. one way or another American justice is, but but just that whole we're actually interested in finding the truth, not putting people away. I don't know. Is that uh, is it just me, or uh, are we better than Italy? Well, every uh, if I was to compare, because this is this is how one answers such a serious Loaded. question sure. as that is. When I look at historical documents like episodes of Law and Order versus Giallo films, I would have to say that it seems to me that the American justice system is better, more just. The, the 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 ideals behind it anyway no 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 the f- the practical documentation okay. of real cr- murder solving as depicted by i see i see what you say i see i see what you're saying homicide life on the streets yes Oz. these are galaxy quest rules yes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly galaxy quest rules um the historical documents have suggested yep. to me that mm-hmm. uh italian police are bumbling sex crazed fools and american police are hard-nosed murderers who also get the job done (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh i'd say we're better except for colombo he doesn't murder anybody but also doesn't and has an italian name he sounds perfect oh my god italian that's what I'm saying. He Colombo is the perfect hybrid of American legal system and Italian legal system. I think we cracked the case. We cracked it. Book him, Dano. I mean, I just have one more question. All right. I don't. Okay. That was a Colombo. He said I always said that. What about Matlock? Um. Anyway. Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> more like Splatlock. Yeah. What? Because I'm going to push him out of a building. Okay. His intestines are going to splat on the ground. I know these silences are fun to sit through, but yeah, we can't subject our listeners to that. Come okay. On. Um. Why don't you continue with your job? Oh, my job. Okay. You were Chapter... hired for a very specific purpose. Chapter 40. In an effort to clean house, and apparently at Mason's order, Carlo knifes Mason's pornographer and feeds him to the hogs. I don't, do you think it was about cleaning house? Yeah, because they mentioned in the chapter before, or some re, they mentioned before. Oh that, no, you're that right. Guy, you're right. That guy is uh, he's up was, for trial somewhere, so he might squeal. Uh, especially since he was going to realize soon that uh, the person they were going to kill was Hannibal himself, and yeah. he has something to trade. Right. Um. Yeah, I thought it was just Mason bloodlust, but you're absolutely right. Uh, that that was a horrific death. To be stabbed and fed to pigs? The, when they talked about the pigs ripping his jaw off? Yeah, that was really hardcore. And, and and then and then he still tried to get away? Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. 
that was that was bad. That's all I had. I was just like, didn't oh. they? And then, well, to be to be uh, just to be rounding everything out correctly, they also killed the photographer. Yes, yes. Although he did try to run. Do you think he could have lived if he was like, and I'm rolling. <laughs> it's a good go from it's one. Another good reminder to always be rolling. Always be rolling. A B R. All right. Well, uh, if you have no more notes, we're going to go on to section three. Part to the new world three. Is it part? It is. Part. Say, does it say part? It does. It does because I don't remember yes. it saying part on mine. Well, guess what? It says part three to the new world. Oh, look at that! Part two. I'm Doug. Really? I'm it says Doug, Doug. It says part because mine doesn't say part. It just says three. It just says three in Roman numerals because Italy. Just, 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 just hold on a second, okay? Okay, just, I'm holding yeah. it. I can hold it all so, just hold night it. long. Gracious. It's 10 a.m. I can hold it all morning long. In my chapter listing, it says parts. On oh, the actual page, it? it says just three. Oh, wow. Okay. Well. No, look. Look here. In bold. Look at what does it say? Oh, no, no. I understand that your doctored, digitized version of the text says part i'm glad you understand that so you can shut up now but i'll say nope shut up as a original as an originalist of thomas harris's work why is he still talking Mm, i don't see that here you know what i don't see go fuck yourself all right chapter 41 (laughs) a videotape of posse's murder captured by a tourist makes its way into the news cycle mason purchases an unedited copy to watch at home he consoles himself with attempts to torment children and his sister before giving up and watching the video. Yeah. No real notes. I, I was amused by the part where the Swede who photographed the, the murder was very proud of himself for copywriting it and selling it, but then would be kicking himself later when he realized he sold it before Hannibal's name was associated with it. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Notes. I would no, but I would love to be in a world where you could. I don't know. I would love to know how much money you get for that because I don't know how much national news pays for footage like that. Right. Chapter forty-two. Clarice commits herself to finding Lecter through his tastes. She knows he likes all things high finery, and begins narrowing down the list of indulgences she believes he cannot live without. So things like wine and cars mm-hmm. and truffles and cheeses and. Mm-hmm. Faces, face cheese. That's it. That's what it is. Uh, I have. I actually do have a note in this chapter, but if you, you know. No, I was wondering if it's the same one as mine. Why don't you go it's first? It's definitely the same one, but it's also. But mine. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hope mine's a little bit more nuanced than yours. More than nuanced than your vulgarity. <laughs> uh, my note is: Whoa, Monica Lewinsky reference. Did not expect that, but. Wouldn't that be more 1998? It's 97 is when it ended. Is it? Because the yeah. impeachment's in I looked it up. It was 95 to 97 was oh, their relationship. And they were talking not about the necessarily the impeachment, but the uh, the scandal itself. Okay. Um, I particularly loved the wording he used regarding the White House scandal. The frothing reformers used more saliva than did the sad little sin. It still feels pretty vulgar. Oh, it's vulgar, but it was it's it's refined vulgarity. 
Much like Hannibal himself. I guess. I guess that's fair. It just feels like in this new modern age of like, hey, wasn't that woman kind of abused by the media? <laughs> um, but it's not vulgar. It's not, it's not, um, I don't think it's insulting to her in any way. You don't? I, I kind of no. think that calling to one mind does that, use saliva for that sad little sin. Sure. But like, the, well, for one, it's a sad, sad adds a element of judgment to it. It's not. I, I thought the sad. sad was the that we're even talking about the like sad the sin like like mm, that's not how I took it. I don't think, oh, okay. and I don't think that that's how the people of the time perceived it. Well, that's uh, how I think me and Thomas perceived. Oh yeah, it. yeah, we're um, buds. But also like the the I, I forgive me Monica, but it, it does feel like the suggestion or pointing out of the saliva itself is pretty graphic. Like, like, if you just say, like, if you just say, I, I feel like, okay, in my whole life uh, experiencing this scandal, uh, the description of oral sex is mm-hmm. extremely clean. It's an extremely dry term. There's almost no, it's just, it's the most clinical I think I can get with, with describing that act. Sure. To bring about images of saliva feels like far more graphic and therefore far more disgusting and object uh, like like objectifying than i i I, I don't get i don't get that i don't get it i i i think i see where you're coming from but i feel like thomas harris just likes to acknowledge all the parts i no, i understand that what i'm saying is in, in in retrospect it feels like the same kind of description that just heaps on to the amount of this woman will never escape this no she, she won't I, I i i don't i mean he was a lot closer to that in time when he sure. wrote this right um but i think he's more saying all the people who are spitting with rage are really no different oh. and 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 he's 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 you know saying like i i don't know they're both i no, they're so all using you... saliva <laughs> so shut up Every, okay. He's saying everyone's got spit. We're all we're all okay. unified in our spit, is what he's saying. Okay. <laughs> but that was not the only important quote from this chapter, Doug. I don't believe that. Oh, I believe it. And your uh, your reaction is is proof that this is an important quote specifically for you, Doug. This is a quote that pertains to you. Who? You. Shall I read this quote, or are you afraid? I'll be the judge of that. Okay. The first step in the development of taste is to be willing to credit your own opinion. What does that mean? It means if you have opinions about something, don't assume that they're not worth sharing. Is that what that means? Yeah. Hmm. You have to credit your own opinion, and then you can develop your ability to critique things perhaps um i'm detecting notes of compassion no that's not and, it <laughs> um there's a there's a oof, this is quite the bouquet it, hints of honeysuckle well honeysuckle absolutely <laughs> Well, I don't. I, I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about. Um, 
but about what you're talking <laughs> that too so whatever um i don't know what you're talking. um <laughs> okay oh actually i don't know if it's in here i know one of the notes i don't look i have to say this because i think it was something you said last episode and I, god i wish i remembered it better now but there was a, a quote that you pulled from the episode previous that was in reference to something that thomas says that's one of those we got to come up with a term for this because he does this every once in a while where he'll he'll describe a thing that's sort of like he's describing a a moment that all everyone everyone experiences in in some ways and he'll say like uh, remember earlier in the last book i think where he had that line where he talked about like um we don't always get to prepare ourselves for tough things in, in places we ch- like. Like we don't get to choose where we have to prep. It's often right. in like you know alleyways it, or like. Is this the one about the decisions coming gradually and not all at once? We like to ascribe a certain moment to decisions. Yes, that's okay. exactly it. It's exactly okay. that moment. Thank you so much. I mean, I don't Those... remember the exact quote, but I I I, I remember that. Yes, talking about is, that. It is that, and it's 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 the I had it was the same tone when i was listening to the last episode that reminded me of that moment where mm. clarice has to prepare herself for whatever right. it was she was preparing herself for and it was that sort of like detached observation of sort of a whole picture like like being like being able to take yourself out of that moment and go it wasn't this curious right like, right i think it was around bella's death maybe and she maybe. was like doing the waiting yeah I don't remember. All those all those long waiting moments that come with someone's funeral where you're just like sitting there like I've spent so much time grieving, I just my mind's just kind of spinning out and examining itself now. I don't I don't remember, but I I, I He's good at that. And it just yeah. I, I didn't I didn't say this last episode, so I figured it's a good time to say it now. Um while I could remember it. Anyway, it should be a word for that thing he does. Sure. Humanity, maybe. Ugh. Um, <laughs> are you ready for the next chapter? Uh, maybe. Chapter 43. Mason receives a threatening letter from Hannibal, wherein Lecter promises Mason will see Hannibal's face before he dies. Yeah. No notes. Really? Yes, of course. God, this this letter was dark. <laughs> okay. Uh, there was a line that was like subtle, and it made me go... Oh shit! And it, it was—I I did not care for it at all. Do you remember like what? You, I'll tell you about the nose and how crunchy it was. Nope, tastes like chicken. Nope, nope, nope. And I do like chicken gizzards, so I know exactly what that texture is. Was it about how the dogs ate Jezebel's face and that Mason's nope. like Jezebel? Nope, nope. Shall I read you the line? Was it that he doesn't want to lose Mason prematurely? Nope. Okay, you should read me the line. Speaking of Mason. Speaking of chicken, you told me in therapy that while you were subverting the underprivileged children at your summer camp, you learned that chocolate irritates your urethra. <laughs> and I had to I had to do the math. I had to do the mental math and go, Jesus Christ, Thomas. Because you know I remembered taking the chocolate and then I put two and two together and I did not care for that. You know what's funny to me about this this bothering you? Is that if the children had just used more saliva? I'm leaving that in. (laughs) 
That's so mean of you. <laughs> um, no, what I thought when I read that was, um, I remember like I remember reading that and just going, "Yeah, that makes sense." Uh, no, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Like so the it. chocolate like stuck with you like it would in a urethra. I think because it was it was vague. You could imagine a ho- a hundred a host of horrible things, but it also could have just been a snide remark. But this this really painted graphically how chocolate was involved, and I. Mm-mm. So how do you think the chocolate was involved? Do you think that it was like like what kind of chocolate? Hershey's Kiss. Like, how does one apply the? Because chocolate j- at room temperature is solid. Milk chocolate, at least generally, unless it's hot and then it melts in your mouth, not in your hand, or your urethra. And so, would he just like? I guess it depends. Again, I'm trying to imagine. It was summer camp, so it probably would have been hot. So it would have been. Probably I don't really want to explore this. Really? Well, yeah. I would because I was thinking about it like fondue. And I was thinking about Mason dipping himself into the fondue and pulling himself out like a just wonderful statue of David. Just chocolate marble. And then sort of frozen like when you eat a a chocolate shell on ice cream. Like that kind of matte evenness. Like an even coat. Mm -hmm. You brought this up. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't trying to do a bit with it, though. I just didn't like it. Okay. I mean, it does. It does. It does make me wonder how it's applied. What if we remove? Can Can you remove the children from the element and explore it as if it was? just simply a thing an adult would do with another I thought it was have some chocolate now that you've taken the chocolate you owe me that's all I thought it was oh okay so you're so one of the main problems you're having is you imagined him distributing the chocolate manually like with his hand like handing it to someone yeah yeah okay and then that was the revelation that bothers you is that it was not no no I still think it was really I don't Oh, okay. I think I get it now. You're saying the chocolate is in the child's mouth, and that's yes. Oh, see, I imagined it kind of. Okay, so look, we have to get into this. Um, <sighs> I imagined it kind of like how you like you give medicine to dogs, where you have to put it on, put peanut butter around it. And so I imagined he was taking himself and and applying. This is not a bit. <laughs> this is this is really how I imagined it. Was he was he was applying chocolate to himself mm-hmm. and and then look and then I can, tempting that, with that. that that can make it kind of I don't think no it would no be that's tempting. ridiculous it's ridiculous and I'm dumb for thinking it it's it's <laughs> much more what you thought and that is far more horrific I think that like the thing that maybe was protecting me was how stupid the concept of Mason with his br- chocolate bronzed cock was was the <laughs> was so dumb and silly that I was just like, that's, that's weird. And I was just like, that's just a normal weird thing to think weird thing to have in this book. Not the horrific, like thing that you experienced, which now I think is more accurate and is horrible. Okay. I, you know what? I feel better actually. 
because <laughs> I, I I understand you were riffing from a different place. I really so, was. I was riffing from I'm just like this. I'm just sitting here like like I cannot yes and this. I don't. There's nothing I can do here. I don't. What What do you want? Stop. Stop <laughs> talking about it. You're making it worse. It's only getting worse. What are you doing? <laughs> Good. I'm glad we finished this this experience because I I. I don't find the concept of the way you saw it funny. Okay. I do find the idea of a man being like, this is how I'll do it. <laughs> yes. This yes. is this I'm is gonna, sure to win them over. Yeah, yes. I'm that that has an element of, of comic to it. That, oh, that's God, how I achieve it, my I hate goal. You, Mason. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Well, I'm glad we pulled ourselves out of that oubliette of despair. <laughs> Yes, that's a that's a good way to describe it. And for the record, it wasn't my note. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I'm look. You told me to do my job earlier. You told me that my opinions are valid. You assured me God that everything it. I have to say is worth saying. Moments ago, you told me that, and so. Then you you light me like a firecracker, and you say, hey, stop exploding. It's gross. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how to word the content warning on this episode. <laughs> hey, if uh, chocolate irritates your sensibilities like it would a urethra, maybe don't listen to this episode with children. Also, mm, why are you listening to this episode? don't listen to this episode with children, period. <laughs> Okay. Why would anyone listen to a, a, a this about why would why would she, anyway? Gross. I think that the thing that makes this sort of depictions of abuse more palatable for me <laughs> is that uh, I'm able to disassociate them from reality because they're fiction. Sure. So like it, it's you know I'm not like. Did you ever see that movie The Lovely Bones? No, because yeah. I read about what it was about. Yeah, I was like I don't need to. I don't need to see this. Yeah, I saw that movie. I don't like those kind of movies. No, <laughs> they don't. No, there's no fun there. No, like I think that there's a fun. All right, well, look. Whenever this gets quoted back at me, remember there's a whole context here, so don't just cherry pick this. The fun thing about rape movies. <laughs> Is the idea that there will be revenge? Is the idea that there will be retribution? The, the, the catharsis. That's what. Yeah, you're, that's or, why you're going to that movie. Yeah, or or the uh, there because life is full of threats, just like this character is experiencing a threat. And it's a horrific threat, and even and, and so there's this thrill of like, will they get away? Will they save themselves? And 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 will the person who's trying to inflict pain on them be punished and not get away with it, as it were? Mm-hmm. And the Lovely Bones <laughs> is a movie, as far as I can remember it, where they basically get away with it. I think I think he, I don't even remember how it ends because I I've just blocked it because it was just like this sucks. Because it was it was it was more about the ghost trying to communicate to her family to move on, right? I think there might even have been a moment where she was trying to communicate to her family where her body was. Okay. And and but but, could, but for closure, not for not for, not for justice. Find, yes, it wasn't yes. about justice. I yeah. think that is it. I think because um, I did read the synopsis of the book, and I'm like, no, this is not. I do not want to watch this movie. Yeah, I will. I will spend two minutes on this, not not ninety. 
Yeah. So yeah, um, there's uh, not so much of that in like I think that's one of the the, the gross things about pairing Mason with uh, Idi Amin for me is that it's a there's a very specific reality involved in that coupling Mm -hmm. i'm i'm very unfamiliar with the the deeds of Edie. i mean so i i get this sort of blessed ignorance about his horrors so 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 that's the thing about what mason does that i is is more uh you know tolerable for me Mm -hmm. is that i can look at it and go i can say gross this is horrible and and treat it like cartoon violence right I'm sorry that you're having that it's not as easy for you. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have any more notes you want to start me down a horrible path with in that <laughs> no. chapter? Okay. No, it's fine. It's all good. Okay. Chapter 44. Krenler and Mason make a deal. Krenler will facilitate Mason's capture of Lecter. And Mason gives Krenler $5 million for a congressional campaign after he knocked him down from 10. No, no, it's... That's it. I mean, it's... Some of these chapters just... A lot of this section of the book is just moving along the everybody has to learn Mm -hmm. about Hannibal, and Mm -hmm. we just sort of move along. Um, All right, chapter 45. Margot and Mason discuss Margot's desire to have a baby, a verger baby, one she cannot bear herself. She asks for Mason's sperm to impregnate Margot's spouse. Mason is very vulgar, and it is revealed he used to molest his sister when they were younger. No notes other than we're only at the 50% part now. Oh, the 50% cool. point of this book. Interesting. Which I, I bring up because it feels like a lot has happened. Having like that, like you called it a Hannibal novella, really right. makes it feel like we've gone through like a book and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it, because of just I, how much has been packed in. I think Thomas Harris probably made a mistake not splitting this into two books. Yeah, not like it, I mean, it's not that thick, but like sure. I think the Posse story itself could have been a part, a book. I would, on its own. I would definitely have spent more time enjoying that section. Yeah, if it were a longer book, not even longer, just cut the book in half, and and like say like this is what happens, like and then well, and I mean, then pick you're not up publish with, a hundred page book. Come on. Well, it wouldn't have been a hundred pages. It would have been like three, almost three. Three hundred pages. Where Potsy ends, we're at yeah. Where Potsy ends is two hundred forty-six pages. Right, and that's where it ends. But but a hundred pages had already been spent on like Starling in the shootout and stuff. Yeah, I'm saying that you could have like still included that and then had that be a carryover. Like, oh, to oh, the, oh, to oh, the... oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. I, I was thinking you're just Italy was its own book is what you were saying. Well, I kind of was, but I, I do think well, then it would that, have like, to be expanded. So I'm right again. No, I, I think may, maybe, but, but not by much. Um, <laughs> anyway, this chapter I think has a couple of moments that are directly quoted in the show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember like if you really pissed Papa off with that muff diving. Margot was in the show, but it feels like it would have been. It feels like a. a it's line a. It's show. a very. I mean, I just. Yeah, I don't know if that would have been. What do they call it? Allowed by the lawyers or censors or whomever, but right. definitely it's the voice of the show very much. But I, there's also the lines about wanting to have a, a verger baby specifically. Mm-hmm. 
um, the show, at least up to this point, makes it so much more clear that Margot's after the fortune as opposed to actually wants a baby. Um, She's just completely differently written, too. She is. In the show. Because this almost seems like a... I feel like the Margot in the book is one of the more comical characters. You think so? Because yeah, not the... not not funny, but like 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 a comic book kind of. Oh, okay. You know, out loud, ridiculous, in caricature. And she the show gives her a little more agency. She definitely has a the 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 bit where she keeps cracking walnuts together. Yeah, is a it like, is who a are bit you, big much. boy Caprice? Oh, I don't know what that means. From Dick Tracy, Al Pacino's character. Walnuts are good for the liver. No. Dick Tracy's very hot right now. I think it's more obviously that she's a man killer and these represent testicles. And so she's crashing them in front of all these men who don't respect her. And so she goes over and over and over in front of these men to. How do you pick out these these cleverly hidden details that that no one else can see? That are obvious to no one. I mean, I, I don't have to share them. I mean, I thought th- I thought no, all of my opinions were. They are. I'm just. What I'm saying is, I'm dumb for not seeing what's obvious. Oh, you're saying you are saying that. You're not saying I'm dumb for pointing out an obvious no. thing. Okay. God damn. Why that's how you, I interpret it. Why don't you fucking uh, credit your own opinion? Because <laughs> I feel like. If, and yes, I had to look I've at my notes. Before, I'm like, what's and the I'll line? I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I. I'm cursed with this feeling that if I have the, if I am capable of doing something or have the opinion of it, it is something that's been obvious to everyone else forever. Yeah. And that might be the case, but that's how you get comfortable in observing things. And then you're going to find out things that only you see, and then you're going to share those. Maybe. But anyway, I think exactly, (laughs) exactly. So you didn't see this parallel is what you're saying. You're sincere. No, I honestly didn't. didn't. I just like, I just, I was just, I was just, took it as it was written on the page i imagine two walnuts and crushing them i'm like that'd ah, be really hard i don't i don't have that kind of strength she's really strong that's it moving on no i think that's i think she's crushing nuts i'm agreeing with you i'm not i i, I was not i was not floating okay, an objection to fine. your opinion i was only telling you where i was coming from before you had raised your opinion oh fine you appreciated it Cool. Yes. Let's move on before we get any more self-congratulatory. I'm just saying you're really great, Doug. Oh, cool, cool, great, cool, great, fine. Um, An do you think that? Episode. Do you think that the? So I was a little confused by the way that it was depicted here. Okay. Do you think that Margot was a willing participant in the in sexual interactions with her and Mason? No. Why do you Why do you ask that? Because she is so comfortable around him. I think he's clearly no longer a physical threat to her. Not only has she prepared her body in a way that's not going to be an issue, but he is, he is a complete cripple. So do you think that that, she probably regrets the thing? Because she mentions all the stuff I've done to my body have ruined my ovaries. She probably has a level of regret there because she didn't have to do that since Mason ended up in this position. But you do think that is, this is all, trauma response her yes pursuing body i, th- I think well yeah, i think a lot of it is i don't want to p- pigeonhole her and say that that's all it is but i think it's definitely related yeah but i think that's why she's comfortable being in the room because she knows 
she can do anything physically. Again. She, right. even though she has to keep running into the fact that he still has power and connections and money and can make her life hell just by being a dick. Well, but but you said something earlier about how she's more the comical character. And again, I know what you meant. You didn't mean funny. Yeah, um, not funny. But but it, she does. She is also one of the more like I think practical and well-rounded, realistic characters too. Like if you're talking about a person who is abused and but decides in themselves that they're they're going to do something about it mm-hmm. margo is that character who goes who does everything she can except physically distance herself from this person right she she m- makes herself incredibly physically strong she uh completely avoids men sexually it seems from from since then um she does she makes her own living so she doesn't have to rely on that person so she doesn't have to take his chocolate as it were and but she still needs something from him she does still need something from him hasn't just cut him off right and i think that that is actually incredibly well rounded as a Mm -hmm. as a fictional character in this world yeah um so while she may have like cartoonish features i do think that Thomas Harris has done a really good job of creating an interesting character. And I do think, again, I haven't finished the book. We're halfway through. But uh, the character in the show is great. Mm-hmm. I thought she was a terrific addition to that show that really helps, helped, again, round it out to make make a dynamic work that wasn't there before. In, an interesting note, I don't know if you knew this, um, but I always found this kind of interesting. Um, they cut that character from the movie, but when it was in the script stages, Gary Oldman was very adamant he wanted to play Mason and Margot in drag. Oh, wow. Wow. In, like, you know, makeup and, and uh, I guess, a bodybuilder woman suit. Wow. Yeah. I've not seen the film. Oh, so. you haven't? Oh, okay. Interesting. It's, uh, I guess, better than Red Dragon. Also, I haven't seen that. But uh also has some parts I really don't care for. Hmm. Is it child abuse stuff? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, mis, uh, misunderstandings of Hannibal's character. Oh. Oh. Mischaracterizations. Yeah, mischaracterization. I knew there was a miss word there that I wanted that I couldn't find. All right. Um, do you have any more notes on that one? I do not. Chapter 46. Ardelia informs Starling that a contact in the post office has been giving secret orders to pre-screen Clarice's mail. A contact is going to give her a special delivery. Yes, it is uh, inferred that Ardelia's contact is someone she's involved in romantically. No, it is not. It's not? Nope. What do you mean? I mean, it's implied. You inferred it. And the difference is for the purposes of... Infer is what you do, imply is what they do. If I if I'm implying it, I'm putting hints into my speech. If you infer it, you're picking up even though I'm just talking normal. So, I could infer that from the implication. Yes. No, no, no. I oh. could infer that Ardelia is only engaging sexually with this person to get that information. Sure. I'm fine with that. But they would imply that they were having sex. Yes. All right, chapter 47. <laughs> Clarice asks Crawford about her mail being opened and visits John Brigham's grave. Chapter 48. <laughs> Hannibal flies to Detroit. 
Hopefully, his new face will facilitate easy passage through border control. Lecter visits his mind palace to avoid the indecency of public air travel. Um, the only interesting thing on here was I remember when I read this book, and then my mom read it, hmm. and we talked about it, and she said the line where Hannibal's being bothered by the child... And the mom, and it basically has to give up his amazing catered lunch from Fashan. Um, there's a line, unnatural child who likes liver. And she's like, oh, that reminded me of you. And I was like, huh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a terrific, terrific chapter. Um, very fun to read. Um, it, it made me appreciate Hannibal as a sort of a vessel for all of thomas harris's impatience with people yeah and i i because i was thinking about how you know he could basically he basically just anytime he's anytime thomas harris is irritated he could just write down his irritations and be like well that's something hannibal would say (laughs) like that's something that would bother hannibal quite a lot well hannibal would eat these people (laughs) it's easy for anyone to identify with this chapter because who hasn't had a shitty flight with obnoxious passengers I, I of course, but but this one is speaking of like comically, this one is pretty extreme. The the dipstick checking of a ta- of a baby's diaper and then prodding at food with that same finger. Well, because the finger a, came out clean, so it was okay. No, nah, but no, you're right. You're absolutely it's, right. It's a certain level of of lampooning disgust. I, I, yeah. I think like it's 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 horrific, but it's also just like. How could you be that? I guess it's it's really not. It, people are this way. It's just it's mm-hmm. shocking to me every time I see something that's so overtly disgusting and like inconsiderate. Well, I, well, I, yes, yes. I, well, and sometimes you're not even thinking about it, and then something clicks into place, and you're like, "Oh, that's always been disgusting." Yeah. Like like we went to uh, we finally got the courage to go to the um, the the Ren Fair. I think it was last year, but maybe it was two years ago. But anyways, it was like everyone was starting to calm down from COVID a little bit. Yeah. And uh, we went there and there's a there's a bit. Have you have you been? I've, I've been. OK, there's a I don't remember how it works. Maybe you can correct me, but there's a bit where somebody shouts something and then everyone who works there shouts it back like huzzah or something or. Yeah, I don't remember what it is that's shouted even, but. All the people are sitting there going, huzzah, and they're shouting over the food they're preparing. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking of all the spittle and all the COVID possibly flying out onto the food. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat anything. Yeah. And it's just, and it's kind of similar when you watch someone just stick their finger into a di- uh, baby's diaper and then stick it into food. I don't know. That's what I was thinking of. No, uh, fair food is kind of gross in general. But yes, that yeah. the the... Uh, another example for me was I went and had food. Uh, I had a dinner at Medieval Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Medieval Times. No, it was similar, but it was the. I've been to Medieval ex- Times. It was the Excalibur. Okay. In Vegas. Okay. And it was the King Court of King, whatever the show is where they have the jousting and the and the sure. all that other shit. For me, it was Medieval Times. So sure. But with this place, because uh, I've never been to Medieval Times, so I would not reference it as something that I know anything about. But I have uh, with you know. this place, uh, they pride proud prided that this was twenty nine. This is twenty twenty. This is early twenty twenty. This is March. Okay. They uh, 
prided themselves on not offering cutlery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you had to eat everything with your fingers. Yeah. And um, novel, but in retrospect, pretty fucking gross. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we're in such a clean world, are we, that we can cosplay as people who didn't survive the Black Plague. Cool. Why not? Why have latrines? <laughs> right, guys? Like, Why clean at all if we're going to really commit? Mm-hmm. Could we just have silverware? Anyway. Similar feelings in a place like that in retrospect. Do you have any more notes in this chapter? I don't. I like this chapter a lot. I have a couple notes. Okay. Um, One was uh the... Hannibal's mind palace was interesting to visit mm-hmm. um, and see the way it's depicted and prepared. It is sort of interesting to see. It makes, I'm very curious about how Hannibal sees his relationship with Clarice because he clearly ha- uh, holds her in high regard in some way, but how is not yet clear to me. I, I struggle. I strain to believe that it is romantic or sexual in any way. I would be very bothered by that characterization of Hannibal. Um, That would feel base and unsophisticated of him. Uh, Especially from how much he, like, insults her. Mm -hmm. But, um... Well, he's only insulting her to find out where the cracks are. Sure. So then, then he may pour gold in them? Perhaps. But I'm just saying it's reasonable to insult the people you care about. <laughs> uh, didn't need you to clarify that for me. I, <laughs> I know that about you. Um, the, uh, but the, uh, in his, he, so he has paintings and stuff of her around in his memory palace. She's uh-huh. depicted there. He, he thinks of her. One of the things that I noticed, and again, it feels very obvious, but I'll point it out, is that he describes a a painting of St. Francis feeding a moth to a starling. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder if the saint had a cleft palate. Oh. Why? Because Francis Dolerhide. St. Francis. Okay. That's what I was not getting. Yeah, yeah. Is St. Francis. Sure. Because the moth and the starling are pretty obvious what those sure. mean, and but and Saint Francis felt a little on the nose, but there was a Saint Francis exactly, and and I don't know, but I don't know anything about him, so sure. I don't know if there was another like element of implication or inference in there that uh, I was maybe missing. Mm-hmm. But at least Francis Dollarhide felt felt deliberate, right? Um. Lastly, we finally get a bit of a backstory on the trauma that created Hannibal. Uh, very much like we got some backstory on James Gum and Francis in the previous books. And uh, it turns out, if, if you haven't read the book, that, you know, Nazis, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Nazis. Uh, uh, they, no, they were deserters. I didn't think they were Nazis. Because I think they're in Lithuania. I feel like they were for just from whatever side that the war was. I assume they were just fighting in the war. Maybe they were fighting Nazis, but they deserted because they didn't want to be in the war anymore. Mm. And I thought up. it was after there was like breaking up of like. Anyway, there were soldiers in World War Two in Lithuania that had destroyed Hannibal's family's land. His his father was a count, and they had 
quite a lot of land and, and high quality things. And uh, these people destroyed the, the farm and then systematically, I guess, uh, ate children. They would kill local children and eat them to subsist. Well, they were keeping them in a shed and every time they could continue to not find food, they would go get a child and eat them. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, I definitely miss predicted that last episode that uh, Hannibal had eaten his own sister instead of other cannibals eating his sister. Mm-hmm. Really, I'm very interested in if, if there's any more insights into his psyche in the rest of the book. Well, and so here's the thing. And I, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler. I thought I remembered more about this them touching on this more in this book and maybe they do or maybe that was all we get and i'm misremembering and adding from hannibal rising so or the show the show definitely touches on some it only of touches though he's like i had a sister misha i thought that was no they, they go to don't they go to like a... oh you're right no you're right you're right you're right you're right you're right i forgot about that but still it's pretty vague the, the show it is. keeps it very vague it does um um anyway uh do you have any more notes in that chapter just, I'm just trying to find the part. Oh, the, the foyer of his mind palace is the Norman Chapel in Palermo. Severe and beautiful and timeless, with a single reminder of mortality in the skull graven in the floor. It's a real place, and they actually used it in Hannibal. They show nice. when Will's in the church, they they use that church, and they show the uh, the, the weird, like, skeleton um, tile thing. It's, it's interesting looking. Nice. You're like, this church is metal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Chapter 49. Starling cultivated a makeshift Hannibal Lecter museum in her Quantico basement workspace, full of his personal effects, personal medical documents, correspondence letters, etc. Crendel stops by and rudely requests an update. She fills him in on Lecter's rarefied tastes in uh, food, drink, and entertainment, suggesting this is their method of finding the cannibal. Krenler gives her grief about it. Starling escorts him to his car and asks him point-blank why he sabotaged her at every turn throughout her career. He insults her suggestion that it is because she turned him down for sex years ago. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind saying it. I'm not afraid. My only note here is that we get the appearance of the wound man. Yeah. That's true. Good good eye. The wound man that started it all. At least in the show. Well, and it's how it's in it's in the first book, how Will figured it out. I forget. Yeah, he saw the picture and went click. Oh shit. It's Dr. Lecter. Right. I think it's just mentioned in passing, it's not shown, so it's Okay. Not really backstory. I think gotcha. he was talking to Maybe the adopted kid. He's a talk- he's talking to someone about how he did it. Mm. He's like, nope, it was just a weird moment of insight. I'm not special. Of, of course he is. He's very special. Yeah, because you know why? He uh, credits his own opinion. Wow, what a dick. <laughs> um, uh, okay, you, are you done with that chapter? I am. Chapter 50. One of Mason's doctors gives a presentation on his analysis of the relationship between Hannibal and Clarice. In his estimation, the two are fond of each other in an unusual way, which I would say is very true. (laughs) But 
there's sort of a there's sort of a budding tension here of they mentioned it in the chapter with Ardelia and the postal worker that would that relationship impede Clarice's ability to do her job? Would it would that coupled with the perfect storm of her struggling with the shootout case in the beginning of the book cause her to hesitate when it comes to handling Hannibal. Um, so we were reading 37 to 50 and when I got to 50, I stopped. Oh, wow. So uh, I didn't read this chapter. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I swear I read it. And then you're taking, you're talking about this stuff and I'm like, the fuck are you talking about, man? Wow. It's, it's a, because I just flipped through it and I'm like, oh, that's where it mentions his dad's account. I'm like, where the hell is Doug getting that? Wow. Did you just make a note? Like, I mean, I have another note that's really good, but no, it, no, I mean, just say your notes. And yeah, but you won't be able to, you're not going to be able to play along because you didn't do your job. I'll do, I'll, I'll do my best to fake it and no okay. one will know. <laughs> no one will know. Nope. No one will know. Nope. So back to the thing I was saying. Yeah, sorry. Do you think that that uh, we're supposed to be wondering at this point whether or not Clarice would have the guts or have the capacity to act without hesitating when it comes to Hannibal? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that was discussed earlier with Ardelia too. Right, but but now, but I'm, what I'm saying is that it's it's more complicated than 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 just the one element. It's right. How do we? Now that we have more, th- this idea of their relationship is being brought up more. Right. So with that, do you think that there is that? I guess you know, but I I wonder if that'll come up more in in the book as a plot point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think Starling is very sure of herself and is sure that she would do the quote unquote right thing if she needed to, wanted to. But I also think she is still young and naive enough to not understand all of the um, ways that life can go. So no one told her life was going to be this way? To be fair to her, her career is a joke. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) I'm just saying, like, canonically, her job's a joke. She's broke. Her love life's DOA. (laughs) It's all there, Uh, man. (laughs) I'll be there for you, Clarice. (laughs) Okay. My only note is, man... Krenler really makes homophobic bigots seem like unappealing assholes. I mean, look, in his defense, homophobic bigots really are assholes. In the defense of homophobic (laughs) bigots, they wouldn't be so hateful if they weren't struggling with their own repressed sexuality. And inability to accept other people's lifestyles who have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. 
which if you had read this chapter, you would know because there's a great moment where uh, Margot has this really wonderful ball busting line or, or impression where she says, uh, sorry, I'm going to try to find it because it's, I didn't take it as a note, but it is a, I take your time. Ah, here we go. So there's all this idea of what, of questioning whether or not Clarice is uh, a lesbian. Uh-huh. And, and to be fair, uh, whether or not like this, I love, I love these, these questions that come up in, in, in sometimes everyday conversation, sometimes just in fiction, but this idea that it's somehow important to identify someone's sexual appetites, uh, as if they are unwavering as if they are, uh, you know, static, mm-hmm. If as if there's there's nothing about them that changes or is nuanced or is perhaps varied and diverse, um, this idea that it's important to identify whether or not someone is lesbian. Period. Nothing more. Never, right. never, ever would have. I just like I just like the idea that it's 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 it feels like a very '90s mentality about what about how sexuality. Well, about how someone if someone's queer, they're flat queer. Gotcha. And there's there's like there's there's just no nuance into maybe people just maybe maybe there are uh, uh, people who are coming around to saying, yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested in finding a person mm-hmm. that it would be in, that I would enjoy spending time with. Right. As opposed to, man, I'm really stuck to this dogmatic like structure. Yeah. These 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 boundaries, these like constraints. Mm hmm. And uh, and I think that that's where this comes from, where this is what makes this, I think, so enjoyable for me is Starling looks pretty tasty if you like whole wheat, Margot offered. I think the attraction's from Lecter's End, not hers, Krendler said. You've seen her. She's a pretty cold fish. Is she a cold fish, Mr. Krendler? Margot sounded amused. <laughs> you think Margo she's what's up. You think she's queer, Margot? Mason asked. How the hell would I know? Whatever she is, she treats it as her own damn business. That was my impression. I think she's tough, and she has on her game face, but I wouldn't say she's a cold fish. We didn't talk much, but that's what I took from it. That was before you needed me to help you, Mason. You ran me out, remember? I'm not going to say she's a cold fish. Girl who looks like Starling has to keep a certain distance in her face because assholes are hitting on her all the time. Nice. Man, I should have read that chapter. Marcos. You really amazing. should have read that chapter. It was it was a, a good chapter to end on. Yeah. Because it really had it was full of these little nuggets that uh make for great podcasting. So um <laughs> the uh <laughs> Yeah, it's I I look forward to your your uh housekeeping of oh yeah i finally read chapter 15 <laughs> next episode <sighs> so okay no i but I, I think those are those are really interesting things that happened in this in this chapter for from my perspective you know what we could have done we could have just not included this whole chapter and just added it to the next episode and then that's nah, fine it's fine we'll we'll do it. what i figure is we'll we'll you'll i'm gonna have you read chapter 50 again <laughs> And it will go from 50 through whatever next time. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much it. That's kind of where it ends is, is this idea, this question of whether or not 
they have a relationship or if there's something going on there mm-hmm. as it were but but again i thought i think that i was really uh heartened to see margot's perspective on that stuff because it, it sort of resonates with my perspective on sure. on that that concept like like when I, I may have mentioned this before on the show so dutiful committed listeners may remember me saying this or it's the first time and i'm a fool for mixing my real life with show life but when i was in high school i was uh, a friend of mine uh helped found a gay straight alliance in our high school Mm-hmm. And so I would go, we would go to these meetings together and these, it was just really lunch. It was really just like announcing, like, this is just a place. If someone feels like they need a place mm-hmm. to come, this can be the place come here. Uh, because right now it's, it's, a, it occurred, it seems like it occurred to my friend that there may need to be that place for some people. And Jesus Christ, this was 20 years ago. I remember being conflicted about the idea of the of the the GSA as it were mm-hmm. because I remember thinking well isn't sort of, this is an odd concept because in the perfect world we we wouldn't in in the world that this this club strives for the club isn't necessary so how do you like create a thing that is necessary now with the hopes that one day it completely dissolves because acceptance will be at, at such a except acceptance will be so ubiquitous that there will be no need for refuge i mean wouldn't it just dissolve itself well i i would worry i think unfortunately this is the sort of thing that I, I think i've determined it was a micro example of a macro problem i think which is that the ex, the the refuges become tribal mm-hmm. and they become exclusive it mm-hmm. no longer really becomes like like the question becomes, well, if it's a gay straight alliance, it's a refuge for people who need to feel like they have a place to go. Why, if straight people don't feel like they need that refuge, you're probably not going to get a lot of straight people there. So then it kind of just becomes a gay hangout. Mm-hmm. And if that's what's happening, it becomes exclusive. It becomes, and not exclusive as like, oh, prestigious. I mean, like it excludes people. It becomes a place that pushes people away. And in that way, we're not actually being more inclusive. We are creating a further divide, and it's things like that that get on my nerves when I when I see whenever I hear someone make jokes where the the concept is like white people are the butt of the joke. I it just it stings me with this same reflection of this isn't progress. This is. This is creating a refuge that becomes exclusive and further dividing. Um, this idea of, well, you know, we don't need to hear a, another man's opinion on etc. And it's like, are we looking for a, are we looking for a sapphic Lesbos exclusive island where only women are allowed to have concepts and perspectives on this, or are we in a society where? being an ally means agreeing and supporting like a collective progress. Mm -hmm. And it it stings me every time I hear that shit. Cause it just, it feels like waving the flag of progress while also cutting the legs out from under it. And when I see things like this thing with Margo, I think like that's to me, like 
that's the way to get to move forward is to recognize that it doesn't fucking matter. The problem is thinking about it as the way Krendler does, where it's like, you have to be a gay, a gay person. That's I, I have to be able to put you in that box mm-hmm. because that's the only way I can allow you to make sense in my brain. And it's like, no dude, it doesn't fucking matter. Do you think, do you think Starling would have given a shit about your sexuality if you hadn't hit on her? Like, no, it doesn't fucking matter because that's how it should. That's how it should be for everyone. No one should fucking give a shit unless you're interested in a person. And then when they reject you, you say, cool, thank you. Okay, understood. Moving on. Anyway, it, it was a wonderful little like com. It was like a little like microcosm white dwarf oh, okay. <laughs> of this dense like issue that was that like really like I, I felt like I have a lot of energy on that. And it was just, again, it was just really refreshing to see someone, a character like Margot, just be like, the basic, the most basic way I can say this is, it's nobody's fucking business. Why do you care? You Why caring are we talking is, about this, yeah, right? You it's caring is the problem. Right. And, and in that way, it's again, it's like, to me, the ideal is we don't have to talk about identity politics in that way. Not all the time, but because, because we're not there. So we have to talk about them. Right. And that's fine. But like, the, the utopia is we can all move forward with societal progression. We're just existing because yes. it doesn't matter. Yes. Or it matters in a, in an exclusively positive yeah, way. Yes. Yes. It, it matters in, in exclusively the, like I'm proud of my heritage and my heritage can include something like there were, there were tragedies and injustices and we, and, and, and but together we're all not being unjust to each other anymore. <laughs> and wouldn't that be fucking anyway? It's, that's what I mean. Like it's this, it's it was a very localized but extremely effective springboard for me to have like feelings again mm-hmm. about about how I wish shit would work. Anyway, uh do you have any more notes? I do not. Okay. Cuz I didn't read that chapter. Right. All right, well let's jump into a new word alert. <laughs> It's not too many. Oh, not like last time when uh, nope. you just opened up Webster and went to town. I didn't open up Webster. Oh, I should also clarify. Here's a little. I, that is the. That is actually the. Uh, the housekeeping I forgot I had. <laughs> is that I have since since a week ago or whenever we recorded that. It wasn't a week ago. <laughs> since since exactly a week ago, the. Uh, it has come to my attention that the website I use to get those or the Twitter account is a little uh, questionable. That's that's all I really know. Like to like say. the person was making up their own words. No, but like perhaps they are not quite the cultural whatever the fuck. What they do were you called. getting at, man? What what do you mean? Like were they lying? What's happening? I just saw I just saw someone say I hate this Twitter account. It's so dumb. Basically on Twitter, and they were referencing the one I was I was looking at yesterday, and I thought, oh god, oh, I should probably. So you saw some negativity on Twitter and thought this is the new person I need to follow. No, I thought, oh god, I better cover my ass and distance myself from this okay. dumpster fire. Because... What was the dumpster fire's handle again? Let's give him a shout out. Cultural something. I don't okay. remember. It's in the last episode. Download our last episode. <laughs> To learn who I'm talking. Yeah, this is about. a weird one to start on, guys. Yeah, why would you? 142, really? 
I hope we have something big planned for 150. <laughs> okay. So, back to the new word alert. Shammy. Shammy? Yeah. Like the thing you wash your car with? Nope. Okay. How do you spell it? C-H-A-M-O-I-S. Chamois. Shammy. It's not the thing you wash your car with? Chamois. <laughs> I knew it. Um, Is it some sort of negligee then? Chamois. If you can't get her to say chamois, I'm out. Um, It's a either of two small agile goat-like bovids of mountainous regions from southern Europe to the Caucasus that are often hunted for their meat and hide. Weird. It is specifically referenced, I believe, in the uh, devil's armor uh, oh. in this in this book. I think I think they, he describes the feet oh, as right, right, right. like like hooves yeah. from a from a chamois. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well there it, there you go. Next one. Ood. 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 Those are those are psychic uh, Doctor Who aliens that always look like they're drinking yerba mate. And they're always holding balls. Yeah, that's the yerba um, mate. Yeah, they do always look like that. Yeah. Um, no, it's a musical instrument of the lute family used in Southwest Asia and Northern Africa. Oh, shit. I've heard of that. Where did I It's in this that? book. Someone playing an oud. No, but I've heard it somewhere else, I think. I don't remember. Um, where, where was it in the book? Um, chapter 50. Chapter 50 has a lot of <laughs> oud talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Margo comes in playing the she's oud. She's like, like Margo, put down that oud. We want to discuss Sarling's sexual preferences. <laughs> There is a moment, again, that you missed because you're reading that, where Krendler uh, has a moment where he's like, he, he's uh, he's he's no longer threatened by Margot, and now he's sort of like, he's not quite turned on by her, but he wants to, like, he's excited by the idea of making her uncomfortable because she makes him uncomfortable. So he decides to, like, there's this, there's this buildup of him being like, he talks himself into, himself into using the word dick in a conversation. Like he, he's like, yeah, well, maybe, 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 maybe Starling makes Lecter's dick hard or something like that. And then he just like looks over at Margo, like to see if he got a reaction out of her. And she just busts some walnuts and eats them. Oh, he's Harris is so yeah, good at writing people's pettiness. Um, but, uh, yeah, but no, there is, a, it's it, the Ood is, there's some sort of sequence at some point in the book where, Mason's listening to African music and it's referenced as having oud sounds. And I'm sure that the okay. music he's listening to, he's listening to because it reminds him of better times with Edie Amin when he's murdering people. <laughs> um, the Halcyon yeah. days. So yeah, that's a fucked he's, up. Yeah. All right. Last one. Pudendum. Shadendum? Pudenda. Pudenda. Is it Italian? What, 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 Latin. Can you say? Can you say the word? Pudenda. Pudenda. Okay. Uh, what is it? The external genital organs of a human being, and especially of a woman, usually used in plural. Is that where we get the descriptor pendulous? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. I think that's just a regular pendulum. Uh, okay. This is uh, again from this book when they're describing the Christ clock that Hannibal makes. With Starling's face on it. Oh, this is in the chapter you didn't read. This is literally in chapter. God 50. damn it! This is literally in oh. chapter fifty. <laughs> hey man, I did my job. Um, I did it very well. Um, 
You did your job. Apparently, so good. Hannibal patent tried to patent a wall clock that's much like the Mickey Mouse clock, where it's like he, uh. he moves his hands around. But in his uh, draft work for it, for creating like a the to get forgetting the patent when he drew it, he drew it as Christ being crucified. But it has Starling's face, which is weird, and it's really and, weird. And one arm is pointed straight down to six to cover her nudity, her her, her putenda, her pu- pudenda. and the other hand is pointed to nine, and they reference that as the traditionally observed time of Christ's crucifixion and then mason gets all well, that, that would be what 9 30 or six it has nothing to do with the actual 45. time it would be well it depends on which hands but 44 50 60 it depends on which hands i don't know which of jesus's hands was the shorter i know that's what i'm asking i don't know that's what i'm saying you know what? we're gonna look it up no, right no. now because uh, this is not we're i'm not, not gonna, gonna no no uh what time of day was christ it but that's in the book i just told you that it's Sh- nine well then, it doesn't depend on the hands because we know. But but then but but then I, Mason says that's actually a mistranslation. It is bullshit that it was nine. If you had read this chapter, according according to Penelope dot slash Jesus, Jesus died therefore on Friday, April third at AD thirty three at about three p.m. That seems a little pat. Come on, guys, really fucking three 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 three. Jesus, indeed. <laughs> that was that was not intentional. <laughs> it wasn't uh, intelligent design. What you just did? No, it was not. It was, it just, was just, just chaos just in dumb my brain. Luck and chaos. Chaos. Weird. Weird how it's a goddamn storm. Weird how in there. dumb luck and chaos can just create things. It's not weird. It's science. Just what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Is science weird? Yeah. Then I get some weird. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, if you had read that chapter, you wouldn't have had to have me explain all this to you. But here we are. So um, that's where that word comes from. Hannibal makes this clock and they talk about it. And that's it. That's all I have. And I'm assuming it's all you have because you didn't do the reading. And that means that next time for everyone but Rob, we'll be reading chapters 51 through 68. And when I say through, what the word through means is that it is inclusive of the chapter 68. It includes no chapters after 68. It excludes them. What it does do is encompasses chapter 68 in its totality. And what's important about that specifically, and this might help readers who are paying attention, is that chapter 69, a chapter we will not read next time, (laughs) having read all chapters before it actually starts section four of the book. So there's a very, very clear delineation of where we stop. And it's the part that starts the next section, which I wouldn't call a part. It's just section four. That felt very clean. So that's why I chose it. Okay. All right. However, yes, however. For a, for a more comprehensive housekeeping next time, I would like you to reread Chapter 50 so we can discuss it. I'll just play everything I said about Chapter 50 in this episode at you. No, because I will be able to to speak on it next time. And, be, and then oh, our, our so listeners will have, to, will have to listen to It'll us rehash so the last part. It'll be, oh yeah, everyone loves that. 
All right. Well, uh, do you have any more notes or anything else do you want to add? All right. Well, then let's end the show. That was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. I do, however, think it would be funny to have like a dolphin Green Lantern. I would think that was funny. Where are you gonna put the ring? I'm sure it would like 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 the one ring grow big and be like a belt. Yeah, it would. It would fit right in their blowhole. Yeah, yeah, that's where you put belts. Ooh, I'm Rob, and I know about belts. Whatever. <laughs> I'm Doug, and I know about blowholes. That's true. I do. <laughs> I know you do. I liked five. That's all I can say. I liked five. Why don't you marry it? I'm already married, Rob. Shit, right. And I'm not a polygamist. That's true. I'm not a polygamist. I'm a one woman man. Look at me. Well, even if I had married Scream Five, I still would be a one woman man because that's a movie. So make sure you cut out all that dead air while I was gone. From the, uh... Do you think we're keeping Scream Talk in? <laughs> I was just trying to do the thing where I tell you how to edit, because it's a bit now. Oh, yes, yes. It's uh, very funny. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm glad that you do that. Uh, this is a new character I work on for sure. Do you like? You, wh- <laughs> you know how sometimes you'll make fun of me for, like, rolling through a range of accents no well that was like that <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about you started off a little bit riffraff then you became <laughs> a little bit italian and then you became a lot of bit like like russian or something <laughs> i will say at one point richard kind has is trying to do a liverpool accent and it's the worst accent ever because Richard Kind is not someone you would think of as someone who can do subtle things with his voice. Oh. It's very funny. Oh, Richard, there he is. Okay, now I know who you're talking about. Yes. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I didn't. I, didn't I, I forget to... his name. I'm very familiar with him as a performer. Yeah, well, he, face, but his... yeah he's he, what, the dad from Big Mouth. Well, that's how you think of him. I think of him as that one Hello, bug. From, I think about that one bug from A Bug's Life. He's not in Bug's Life. Yeah, he is. Is he? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. no. He is. He's. You're thinking. You're thinking of Inside Out, where he played Bing Bong. I'm not, because I haven't seen Inside Out, but I have seen A Bug's Life, and he's in A Bug's Life. Yeah, he's not in A Bug's Life. I'm gonna look it up right now. And Rob will be uh, Richard uh, announcing that he's wrong kind? in five. Oh, I'm not even to IMDb yet. Give it a second. You can start your oh. countdown. No, I haven't got to. I have to hit actor, go to bottom of previous, and do see all, because that's a new thing they're doing now. Scrolling. Three. Scrolling. Bugs Life is like 95, right? Two. Still 2015. Nope. Not there yet. You're not. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Richard. Save some work for other people. Am I right? Okay. We're in the 80s. 
No. <laughs> Going forward. Oh, Rick and Murray, Carol Burnett's show. There was a Carol Burnett show in the 90s. Didn't know that, Mr. Saturday Night. Man, he's fucking worked forever. Tom and Jerry, the movie. Jimmy Hollywood, Clifford. That was a weird movie. Oh, Stefan. I just want to go to Dinosaur World. Uh, I want to say Marvin. Uh, Space Above and Beyond. Hacks were 98s. Jungle Book, Mowgli Story. Uh, Three, two, one. Oh, A Bug's Life. You just said Bug's Life. Oh, weird. Weird. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 142 of Death Readers. What the hell? I didn't like how I said that, but I didn't want to stop you. But then you said, what the hell? (laughs) I wouldn't have if you didn't audibly go, ah. I would have cut that out. Anything I say can be completely cut from not the now. show. From, well, no, not now. Not now. It's not like it's not like me muting myself. This is I can just completely drop it out. Okay, here we go. All right.